Broadcasting from New York. They say, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. This is Pushing Boundaries, where discussion and thoughts about simple and complex social interactions happen. My name is Sharif Rucker, an urban educator. Please join me as your host in having interesting conversations. Welcome back to another edition of Pushing Boundaries. Uh, my topic for today is called Soccer Queen. A lot of things come to mind when you say soccer queen, but this one is going to catch you by surprise. This one uh, engages sports, uh, implicit bias, uh, segregation, diversity in spaces, um, moral values, and uh, physical classifications. And of course, as always, I'm going to start my personal experience. So, just the other day, I was in the park with my five-year-old daughter, and we had just come from soccer practice. Uh, she's wearing her green uniform uh, from a local uh, soccer league, and uh, she has a cleats, and she says, Daddy, I want to go to the park. I want to uh, play in the park before we go back to the house. I said, sure, you know, you had a good practice. Let's go to the park. We go to the park. She's playing. Uh, this park that we go to, uh, somewhat uh, integrated um, in terms of the community. Um, uh, she's playing in a park. Uh, this, had, this takes place in Long Island. Um, I'm watching her play. She, we move from one park where she's playing with a set of kids. We move to another section of the park. She's playing with another set of kids. Um, the kids in this park happen to be Hispanic, white, and uh, some black. Uh, she's playing with a set of girls. I, I'm there by sitting on a bench watching her play. Uh, one of the girls says to a, a little white girl, maybe uh, a year older or maybe two years older than her, says, um, you play soccer? She says, yes. She says, where do you play? She says, I play soccer in Queens. My daddy is my coach. And the girl says, you go to Queens? And she shakes her head up and down. And the little, white, the little white girl says, you should never go there. Queens is dangerous. And my daughter looks at her very confused. At that point, um, I felt like it was a time for intervention as a parent. And so I decided to separate my daughter from that situation and uh, decided to leave the park. I never really broached the conversation with her, but that was her first experience with children of the most innocent and what they say. Um, they're going to say things that they're thinking, things that they've been taught. And so this little girl was coached into some beliefs. Although uh, they may be faulty, she was coached into those beliefs based on others' perception, which is most likely her parents. And so she spoke to her truth and so in speaking to her truth, we discovered some unique things about ourselves, about how we relate to one another. And although we live in the same community, we're very much segregated, that we're not really living together, that uh, you know, we, we are in the same way, we're living in the same communities, but we're actually participating with each other from a distance. You know, we may share the same block, but we don't really engage in the same activities. We may go to the same 
soccer practice. We may go to the same sports practices. We may go sit to the same restaurants. But we're truly not engaging and um, being present with one another, really exploring and questioning it and taking risk and trying to get to know the differences in each other. But on paper, we appear to be together, co-mingling in the same neighborhood. But I refer to it as participation from a distance. The other thing is that, you know, there, there's, we know that there's gener- generational racism in, in these communities. Although there are more and more ethnic groups moving into Long Island uh, and ethnic groups that are financially uh, sound and fit to, to move in Long Island because we know at one time in Long Island it was redlining. And so these families are paying top dollar for these homes to be in the communities uh, where the schooling is uh, better than most and can offer um, a most stable environment for their children. So we know that, that this, is, this is happening. The problem is that the community that lived here before, uh, you know, they, there's a generation of uh, racism and, and beliefs that haven't left their households, right, as was, as was relevant with this little girl, right? So this is a little girl who may be six or seven years old, and at that age has already been uh, pre-programmed or programmed for um, implicit bias and racist ideations, right? Um, and we know that in New York City, this is all largely due to the zip codes, right? So, you know, New York City is, you know, if you ride the 7 train, which is the most uh, diverse train line in the city, but you can see how segregated it is if you ride from the first to the last stop. You can see all the ethnic groups and where they live in the community. And there's nothing wrong with that because people live where they're most comfortable and where they share the cultures and, and the similar standards of living. So there's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong with, what's wrong with, the, with the situation is when we begin to measure each other and begin to classify each other and classify people in and out of opportunities, right? And so... We know that you know most families today, you know, and and many things are moved driven by economics today. So if you have uh, money, you can move to areas that have strong school districts and uh, based on zip codes. But in those communities, it's it still doesn't implicate. It doesn't suggest that they're safe, right? You know, because safety, you know, maybe not. You know, you're, you're away from violence, and you're away from. Uh, for any physical violence or, or, or hardships like uh, the quality of services, but you move into a different kind of challenge. And and so I talk about soccer queen is because this little girl who in her family, in our family, you know, she, she's uh, uh, taught that she's beautiful and that she's important and, and that um, she's smart and that she's got a strong family. She's well-guided. But then in this situation, this queen was, you know, taken out of her kingdom for a moment and being measured in someone else's space and was set to some confusing, some confusing, confusion, excuse me. Um, And so a lot of it is, you know, you would think that being that we're talking about sports is the great equalizer, right? Sports may be one of the only places where... um, the diversity of people equals strength, right? Um, the problem today is that we can't translate the living and lifestyles of sports or the practices of sports into real world um, 
real world strat- strategies, right? Um, we do it in some corporate environments, but in most environments, we don't we don't use diversity as a strength. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, and not only that, but what is equity, right? So when we when we talk about a, a football team, you know, equity is not everybody doing the same job. You know, the wide receiver is the wide receiver because that that individual or player is superior at that position. The quarterback is the quarterback because that player is superior in that position. The defensive tackle is superior in that position. But all of them matter to the equity, well, to the chemistry of the team and the chances of winning and losing, right? And so that's that's a good example of equity. So what? how does that equity play out in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and in, in our jobs? How does it play out with children? As We as parents, what do we do with children in terms of how we teach them to be equitable and to see diversity as strength? What does it mean, you know, because we're humans, right? So what does it mean to be part of a team? What does it mean to have shared responsibility, right, that all, all humans matter and that they have a purpose on earth and that everybody has something to contribute to the improvement of how we live? Right, and it's not based on any single individual or any single race, but it's a, based on a collection of individuals that bring unique a uniqueness to the table that we can all use and enhance the quality of human existence. Right? Um, you know, what's driven? What are the moral values that uh, we're, we're, we're planting in our children? You know, we talk about. You know, in our politics between Democrats and Republicans and even in those um, the stages of thinking that, you know, there are some implicit bias and racist ideations involved with those, right? You know, how are we judging people, you know, because we, we, we're judging people based on uh, physical classifications, right? And, and, and the way we brand races in this country, and we brand, and, and not only branding racist, but then, you know, some races taking on the brand, right? And, and, and featuring themselves in those brands because that's how, uh, the, you know, the media has identified them. But, name, may, but, but, but may not be the right perception or the right um, makeup of that individual because it's only a brand. It's something that's being worn, but it's not true, the true uh, essence of the individual. Uh, individuals are a race of people. So there are a lot of misconceptions floating around through media, through people what people are thinking and coexisting in in, in this world today. Um, and this the prime example was the, was the interaction between my daughter and this little white girl, right? And there was a misconception there of what Queens represented. Now there are there are a lot of wonderful families in Queens, but we know that Queens is has 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 changed right over the years racially, and so. It how we change the perception of Queens because we've changed racially. Is there not any quality coming out of Queens because we've changed racially? You know how is this being taught? And then the other thing is, do we have true exposure for what's happening in Queens, or are we looking at the the, the branding that's been suggested by the media? You know, um, because we we talk about zip codes and where we want to live. And we look for a quality of life for our children and our families. Diversity in, you know, what we have to understand is that because I move into that community, the diversity in the community now that I've moved in may not equal strength. 
So it may, it may it, you know, the diversity in that community may not be accepting, acceptable, or invited. And so it doesn't equal strength, it equals a weakness. And so we talk about that, we talk about suburban communities, right? So we go to these suburban communities, and when you go to suburban communities, they, they often are segregated communities because they're designed for similar people with similar values and similar ways of life, right? So, you know, I think of the movie Stepfoot Wives, you know, <laughs> the robotic motion of these women who all had to act the same. And when his family came to live in his community and realized they weren't the same and they had to become the same or they would be threatened in their existence, that's what's happening in suburban communities. You know, we, we, you know many families move to the suburban communities looking for a better life and, and end up having to deal with the racism, implicit bias, and, um, and in some cases now more than ever, um, the economic inequities that could be on a single block. Whereas in community, urban communities, it, it, you know, there is diversity and strength in that there's so many people that it's overwhelming to separate yourself. That, you know, there is a self-reliance on, on, on everyone, that you, everyone has to do their part for things to work. Because if it doesn't, then you get a bottleneck of activity in terms of how you move through the city you know, how you uh, indulge restaurants, how you indulge acti- activities and entertainment. So there has to be some sort of mutual cooperation when you live in an urban environment. And that's why some, some people prefer that. But even in urban environments, when we talk about economics and we talk about certain communities, there are white spaces, black spaces, Hispanic spaces, Indian spaces, you know, and so they begin to divide themselves in that way. But the majority of spaces that we have to move in we have to, we have to, uh, uh, we have to, we have to integrate. We have to move together. We have to cooperate. Um, but we know that urban environments are changing today, and they're becoming resource rich. And so, the diversity that we once had in these urban environments is slowly disappearing because most people can't take advantage of it. You know, the playground of an urban environment is based on resources and economics. And if you don't have it, you can't partake in it. So even in that situation, there's, this, this is an example where urban environments have become segregated based on economics. The ability to access resources through economics, right? And so we don't have there, there, the other spaces that most people can engage in in an urban environment are the parks, public parks. And some free museums that are left in New York City. Um, those are the spaces that people can coexist and try to find some mutual understanding of 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 what it means to be a parent, right? You know, like we share the same experiences. My parenting is similar to your parenting. We, we, our kids are in the park together. They're, they're playing. They're having the same enjoyment, the same ups and, and highs and lows, and and and. And, and bruises that your child is having. And this is where the equity is. And, and, and all of a sudden, we're playing a team sport in this environment. But even in that environment, like a safe space you would think in a park, my soccer queen found racism and implicit bias. We continue to operate in um, segregated thinking, then this creates um, issues with where the boundaries lie in our communities, issues with cooperation and interdependence, and this leads to conflict. 
And as this country begins to grow in population and grow in diversity because there are more and more people of different backgrounds living here, we have to be able to consciously and intentionally teach how to live together. We have to be intentional about where the differences are in our cultures and where the similarities are and how we engage and, and how to access one another and how to have conversations because with the, with the, with the you know, in, 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 in some good ways, technology has opened the doors and made it um, easier to connect to one another. And on a negative side of it, it hasn't allowed us to physically form those connections in a real way. And so we have some work to do. We have some work to do. We have to translate, you know, the way we work together in our jobs and those public spaces where we have to coexist into the way we think about being. We have to, we have to engage implicit bias professional development to become aware of how we are biased. Right? Um, implicit is not knowing where our biases are. They may not be intentional. It just happens that we were raised that way. We were taught that way. Explicit bias is outright bias. I'm doing this because you look like this. I'm doing this because you speak like this and I don't like it. And it's something I'm doing it because you're different from me. And so I'm going to treat you differently. That's explicit bias. Implicit bias is, it's, you know, it's a bias that may not be easily recognized by the individual. Something unintentional. But it's being done every day. Thanks for listening to Pushing Boundaries. If you like my show and want to know more, please reach out at pushingboundaries.transistor.fm or email me at P-U-S-H-E-N boundaries at gmail.com.